And there was there was another statement that Blairway, the CEO, said that stood out to me just reading this the other day. To put it into perspective, if I said we have identified 10 million ounces and the grade is about two or three ounces per tonne, you'd say, shit, that's pretty significant. <laughs> so that's come from the, C- the CEO of this company on an, on a, a project that doesn't even have a resource. Yeah, it's it's still very I'm early sure stage. I'm sure you're not allowed to do that. As like, maybe well, Canada's yeah. a bit different to Australia, mate. Right, g'day, Money Miners. Thursday, 13th of April, Daily News. Welcome to the show. We've got Leo Lithium. They've put out some further drill results for their project in Mali. And we've got Andy Clayton from Precision Funds Management that's going to give us some expert insight into this project. Now, another lithium hopeful, a big-time news item that is getting plenty of attention, Patriot Battery Metals. They've uh, provided an update on environmental and PFS activities for their Corvette Lithium project in Quebec. Trav, JD, how are we, gents? G'day, mate. Doing well. I'm well too. Now, I don't know if you're struggling with things, uh, running errands and everything. If anyone has a mobile hairdressing salon that can come here because we are working flat stick and I haven't even got time to fuel up the car, I need a bloody haircut. So you boys seem all right. I've got a pair of clippers, Matty. I can, I can give you a cut. <laughs> I think that we're getting to that stage and it's now that we're on camera, I'm a bit, uh, a bit conscious of it. So, look, everyone do take pride in me appearance, but we're bloody strapped for time and she's all going money of mine headquarters. Right, we've got a special guest today, friend of the show. You would have heard him a lot previously, the battery metals guru and now <laughs> – and also – uh, one of the top dogs at Precision Funds Management to talk about Leo Lithium's announcement today. Andy Clayton, welcome to Money of Mine, your first appearance, mate. How are oh, you? Oh, I'm ecstatic to be uh, to be invited on, mate. And uh, yes, good to uh, good to chat again. Well, Bye. Andy, and I got a confession. Uh, it was actually you know the the, the the work you were doing with Maddie that was it was the inspiration um, from from my side at least to to have a crack at a bit more financial commentary blended with Maddie's great. Ocker tonality. Yeah, I, I love those episodes you guys did as well. Oh, jeez, Clyde, oh, talk about bloody. Jesus. Oh, got some fans. Pumping the tires up before they uh, smack me down on something. That's, uh, one, that's, that, that, that's old school breaking, mate. One oh one. God, Clyde, to be walking around. Uh, TK will notice your shoulders uh, back to Savi walking around with a bit of Conor McGregor's swagger after that sort of compliment. So, <laughs> right, Clyde, we, we thought we'd get you insight about Leo Lithium, mate. They've released some further drill results today, which uh, yep. will potentially expand their mineral resource estimate. Now, before yep. we get into it, I just want to highlight the the peer comparison. So they've got a 50-50 JV with Ganfeng, so they've essentially got 50% of their resource. Their resource yep. size is equivalent to Liontown in their grade, but they're pretty much valued at one-sixth of yep. what Liontown is. So, look, going to uh, Leo, where they're at, the trucking, give us the spiel, Clades. Yeah. Oh, look, they, um, you know, since Simon Hayes sort of taken over that and they spun out a five inch, I think they've done a, you know, a sensational job in, um, in developing the project forward. And these latest res- set of results out today just really confirm what I think, you know, most people know is that this, this is a tier one asset. Um, you're getting really good widths of high grade mineralization when you're getting. Things like 115 metres at 1.7%, you know, 71 metres at 2%. 
the resource is clearly going to grow. Um, they've already got enough for you know a, a fifteen to twenty year mine life, um, and you can see from the sections that they put in there that uh, some of this stuff's uh, down dip of the current current resource, and there's also looks like there's some new 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 areas as well. So um, you know, there's some of the best looking sections you'll see with you know great thick widths, um, you know true widths of sixty seventy meters um, at, at very good grades. So it really you know sets it apart and um, you know, I think most brokers out there, certainly uh, the ones that cover the story, would have a valuation, you know, significantly high, you know, well in the north of, you know, a, a, you know, north of a dollar. Um, and, and I suppose the, you know, the big discount is a, they've a, a, you know, sort of the country where they're located, which is obviously Mali, and B, you know, they got 40, 45 percent. You know, in recent recent weeks, we've seen the Albemarle indicative offer for Lion Town, and that's you know they got 100 percent of that valuing that undeveloped project, the five billion sort of thing. But on a pure technical basis, you could certainly line up these two projects, and arguably, you know, Leo Lithium with with an open pitable project is probably less risk than um, you know the four million tons of underground that that Lion Town are um, looking at. Developing, um, but you know, obviously, you know, country risk is uh, is a is, is a big issue uh, for investors, and and I think really, you know, in my view, what the market is waiting for is is they have talked about this DSO opportunity, which they're targeting for second half of this year, and they put out an announcement the other day where they're you know because you know Mali is landlocked as we know, so. Your closest port is Dakar, which is sixteen hundred kilometres away, or or down through uh, the Ivory Coast, in, and uh, Abidjan's about 11, about a thousand k's, and and they talk about a new one potentially to the west of Abidjan called San Pedro as a second port, which is nine nine hundred and fifty kilometres away. So I think you know what the market wants to see when they can develop this option, and and they talk about it quite extensively in this. Um, in the announcement of a couple of weeks ago, uh, that that they can truck this thing out and it's going to be successful navigating the roads. And you know, I've been to Abidjan and like the infrastructure in in there is pretty good. Like their dual lane highways. Um, you know, an old company you could go build a gold mine there called called Bonacro. Um, it's still operating today. You know, so so there's lots. It's not you know, there's Africa and there's Africa, and this is certainly one of the the, the better, more, more developed countries. Um, you know. Along with Senegal, so um, everyone sort of just lumps Africa into one basket. But my, my, my view is, you know, they will be successful. I think Simon's a an A grade operator, um, going about it in a very measured approach. And I think once they can start demonstrating that in the second half of this year, that uh, you know, getting revenue from DSO um, and then the longer term project. I mean, you saw their DFS announcement where they're talking, you know, billions of dollars of NPV at uh, significantly less prices than they're targeting that, that then are currently being experienced. So um, I think on all measures, it's cheap. It's about uh, execution over the next sort of six months. What, Clyde, what do you reckon about uh, CapEx in Africa? Where does that sit? Uh, Australia, I see as the top end of uh, CapEx. I, Asian countries appear to be able to do it a bit cheaper. Where does Africa sit for CapEx? Yeah, well, look, look, but they certainly have, you know, we've seen it in the gold miners at the moment, uh, the ones that are operating there. They haven't seen the sort of the, the the inflationary pressures that a lot of the Aussie gold the golds have and, and sort of the capital intensity for a Leo project because it is open pit. Uh, it's, it's, I think, you know, it, it, it had increased but not to the same extent. Is You know, they're sort of targeting a 4 million tonne, I think, or 3 million tonne uh, initial operation to expand it. But if you look at... Liontown, you know, they've gone from sort of 450 to, to, to plus 800 sort of thing, whereas 
Leo's has gone up to about I think two seventy, two eighty, uh, maybe a smidge more. And there is a small sort of funding gap there. But you know, you got to remember the original deal they did with Gang Feng was was funding the bulk of that capex for um for, for farming in on that joint venture. So I don't think you, you certainly don't see the uh, inflationary pressures that we are seeing uh, in Australia on the on, on the capital costs. And um, but there's others, uh, obviously other uh, factors to take into account as well. Yeah, we just True. we just had a question, Andy. I think you've touched yeah, on it quite well regarding the the trucking that the company sort of discussed last week with the announcement. Yeah. So it looks like the market's discounting them and perhaps not fully appreciating that they'll sort of get this done. Do you think it's something that they can get completed and then the market will sort of appreciate and look past the fact that they've got to truck it either through Cote d'Ivoire or Senegal? Like how big of an issue do you sort of see this being going forward? Oh look, I think um, in the market size, I think they they view it. You know, I think the market sees it quite a big issue. Uh, yeah. But the reality is, you know, I, I, I think they can be successful, and I think the way that they're going about it in terms of starting off on the DSO and, and just getting that all, all those logistics sorted out, um, you know, will give the market a, a great deal of confidence for the uh, ultimately the, the the concentrate option that they're looking at developing, sort of thing. So. And, you know, they're yet to put out any sort of firm metrics. It's more sort of indicative type type costs. But they should, you know, these spodromate prices, they should be making, you know, very good money. And I think once they start generating cash flow, then the market will go, you know, tick. Um, we're, we're, we're happy to, you know, that's certainly a de-risking event and we're happy to back them and, um, you know, uh, and I would expect them to appreciate on the back of that sort of thing. Absolutely. Clates, do you have any um, any any speculation I mean, I mean, the Firefinch story is a pretty interesting one, and and um, obviously they're got a, a, a large chunk of Leo shares. Yep. Um, any speculation on how that's all going to unfold, given you know their suspension and process that's ongoing there? Yeah, look, I mean, they they had their annual report out the other day, Firefinch, and they talk about sort of uh, you know they're looking at all options, and that's their sort of their their, their strategic, obviously a strategic stake. I think they uh, what. It, what are they on? Obviously, yeah, 17 of Leo sort of thing. Um, you know, is that a precursor to someone maybe getting a, a, a stake of that and 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 lobbying something? Who knows? Or is it just uh, you know because the offtake's already dealt for for the bulk of it, but I don't think it's dealt for stage two of it sort of thing. But you know, high quality products. You know, would 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 someone be interested in that? Absolutely. Um, you know, what price? I you know that when Firefinch was still sort of. Uh, listed, they were looking at doing a sort of a, an emergency capital raise at, at five cents, and that was really underpinned by their Leo Lithium um, stake in that. But yeah, yeah. So there's all yeah market rumours, everything. You know, does Gang Fang buy them? Um, do they really need to own 100% to get it all? Possibly not. But uh, to get to get all the offtake, that's what which is what they're really interested in. So um, yeah, it will be fascinating to see how that 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 stake unfolds and and. Really, the you know the five-inch border that they've said they're committed to, um, you know, finding the best the best value for for shareholders. They still looks like they've still got about sort of thirty odd million in cash, um, just judging by the accounts. But um, and yeah, well, they're in the in the process now, sort of thing. But as there's been no firm announcements in terms of indicative offers or anything like that at the moment. Yeah, Clyde's two years ago, you were probably happily. Uh 
confined in your office and having lunches in West Perth. Did you ever think that after this introduction to me, you'd be regularly required to chime in on podcasts, this new obligation you've got? What do you can see how your life's turned around? (laughs) Oh, it's just been a wonderful revelation. I get so many compliments and things. Um, from all from all the fan base out there, uh, no, no, Clayton. Unlike, unlike well, us, you've you know we've just, we've got faces for radio. Unlike you, so we'll have to get you on the video content sometime soon. Because <laughs> oh, no, the I'll boys de- are I'll asking. De- I've definitely got a face for radio. Don't worry about that. The boys so, are talking about uh, how we're going to do all these video interviews and and all this. I'm like, oh, Clayton and we're just going to be so lapping that up. I can't <laughs> wait to break the news to them. So enjoy the audio while we've got it. Yeah, 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 yes, mate. Maybe Tim. Timothy certainly got uh, a, a face for the video, but uh, you know, us, us, us older gentlemen probably uh, prefer the radio. I think that's no, all. Uh, well, you know, my, my partner in crime, Dermot, used to do sort of a weekly podcast with Westos, so um, or with I think it was with Nab. Um, so we might have to roll him through into the videos as well, mate. Yeah, very good. Absolutely good yes. on you, Clyde. Thanks very much right. for your uh, take, mate. We really appreciate it, and it yeah, won't no be worries, the last. Boys. Thanks, okay. Clyde. Cheers, guys. Right, good on you, Clates. Bloody legend, legend, great friend of the show. Can't wait to. Oh, geez, we might be moving into the top of their building, lads. Good, we good, go good insight. From I forgot to hit him up if that room's still available. Oh, mate, I think I think that's a good spot. Um, and and we're we're open minded about having the perspectives of of other fundies who are, are interested in the resources space uh, share their insight and thoughts on our show. Precision definitely have taken the they're like sort of front runners. For oh, hundred percent. Um, but happy early early movers. Happy to uh, uh, for other companies to come in and try and battle as top fundy on money and mind. So <laughs> Precision have got it at the moment. So yeah, definitely interested in that uh, Leo Lithium project. As I said, that price comparison always gets me just on pure market cap and resource size. And what we didn't mention that. Their resource is equivalent to Lion Town at the moment, but that will further. So they've got another mineral resource estimate coming out, which will you'd anticipate is going up and up and up again. So it'd be interesting to see if they finally ever get proper value for their project. Very similar to West Africa Resources and Capricorn, don't you think? Yeah, Lion Town quite a bit closer to first production. That that probably plays into that as well. But you're right on the on the point of the discount for country risk. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to Patriot Battery Metals. Uh, Been in the definitely the big the big talking point. So like massive, massive, thick, high grade lithium intersections. It's in Quebec, right next to a lake. It's a very interesting project. JD, they've released an update on the environmental and PFS activities. Uh, we've got a lot to go, lot to go through in this. What's yeah, your take on it? It's a really interesting story. So we're going to just start with a bit of a company overview to sort of set the scene and make sure we're all on the same page. So like you said, the, the Corvette project is their main asset. This is a hard rock lithium asset in the James Bay region up in Quebec in Canada. So the project sort of sits along 50 kilometres of strike and they've got various prospects all named CV1 through to 50. So CV must be Corvette. Yeah, that's right. So CV5 is the focus and the company has flagged the ultimate goal of connecting a lot of these uh, prospects as they are, a lot of them are outcropping and they think they all um, are part of the same system. So we'll sort of see how that unfolds. The non-exec chair of this company is Ken Brinson. So familiar to a lot of um, the Australian investor community, former boss of Pilbara Minerals. 
and the company's now capped at Canadian $1.6 billion. So they've had a, a really huge run over the, the past year. And of course, in December, they listed their CDIs out here in Australia. So, right, JD, explain what a CDI is for the non finance folks and, so it's and, a, and me. <laughs> it's a chest depository interest. Essentially, it means the, the shareholder in Australia, in this case, has the right to a, a share in the company. As this, in this case, the main listing is on the TSX. And I think um, Patriot also have a listing over the counter in America as well. So you can, you can, the value they've got in Australia is 10% of what the total company value is on the ISX. It doesn't work like that. No, it's, it's, it's a, the CDI will have an exchange ratio back into it. I think in this case, it is a one four ten share, but the, you know, the number of CDIs on the ASX is not forever um, equal to 10% of the total issued capital. Yeah. That's why you notice the, um, the share price when you compare the price of the Canadian and the Australian stock, it's a dollar something in Australia and I don't know, 14 or something odd dollars in Canada. So moving on to the operational side of things, they're building an 80 person camp They're after the authorization to build an all weather road, as this is an area that can be pretty locked off through winter. And they're moving into hydro, a hydrogeological program and really focusing on getting a PFS out by mid 2024. So it really sounds like winter hasn't slowed them down over there. They've got six rigs active and they're just churning away. So we're expecting CV5 to have a mineral resource estimate out by this quarter. So over the next couple months. So our eyes appealed for that one. And on cash in the bank side of things, they raised 50 million Canadian recently. And with a lot of in the money options, they're sitting at roughly $80 million Canadian in the bank. So there's a couple areas that stand out, I think, to all of us that we want to unpack. Firstly, is that listing structure, which you sort of touched on there, Maddie. So this is a company that's dual listed and the stock is really strongly supported in Australia. And I think that speaks to the Australian market understanding lithium assets. So I think a lot of Canadian investors might be scarred by um, Namaska, North American list. North American Lithium. These are two examples of companies that went into bankruptcy. North American Lithium Lithium has now been scooped up by Sayona and um, Piedmont in a joint venture. So it's it, just restarted. Yeah, exactly. Just last week, I think we covered that one. So it really speaks to the Aussie market's uh, familiarity with these sorts of assets. And it's interesting for a company that's primarily listed in Canada. The second bit that really stands out to me is the environmental and social side of things. So if you haven't done so already, jump on their website and the first thing you'll see is an absolutely gorgeous view with helicopter or drone flying over the what they call the outcropping strike of the ore body up in, in Quebec in the James Bay region. And it's just gorgeous. The company will be pretty quick to flag that there are a lot of other projects in the area. You've got all chem, critical elements, lithium, like we just said, Sayona also in the area. So I think that really is highlighted by the company very regularly coming out with environmental updates, updates on the the social permitting side of things. And I think, Maddie, you had a few more points to touch on there with regards to the how it's sort of broken up geographically across Canada and in, 
in particularly in Quebec with the different regions and how that sort of sits with the Inuit communities and how you sort of go about licensing yeah. over there. Yeah, I found this on um, on the net, the I guess the native the native title arrangements. It, sound, it sounds like they approved a heap of hydropower facilities in in history but didn't properly consult the, the native title. Who, who, who did? Uh, Quebec government. Yeah. And they – from this, these these become this category one, two, three. So you'll see the thing I've brought up on the screen. So the dark red is category one, light red is category two, and then everything else is category three. So essentially category one, native title owned the land. Uh, category two, the native title owners, uh, local communities have to be consulted and compensated for things to be developed on that. And category three is owned by the government of Quebec and they can authorise development projects without consulting the nearby communities and landholding corporations. So that green box is where the Corvette project is. So but you look at that yellow one on the edge, that that was our um, Alchem's James Bay project which took five years to get approval for. So that you can see that's right on the edge of a category two. So that whether that was a reason why it did take a bit longer. So there's I suppose that's this thesis is in support of the environmental side being uh, an easy permit. But as you said, that flyover, JD, you look, there's that beautiful lake and yep. the outcropping pegmatite is right on the right on the bank of it. Um the, it's a good-looking lake that I'd want to protect if I lived nearby it. Oh, and, yeah, and a lot of, but even just the water, the water, uh, whether the water, groundwater coming through there, and God, if the bloody mm -hmm. the uh, the grant the high one of the high walls burst and uh, let the water in there, like it's just a, it yeah. is right next to this. So I think the company's going about that the right way. They're doing the hydrogeological testing that speaks to the groundwater um, issues they might face. They are doing the environmental permitting, the social licensing as highlighted by, by the announcement they've come out with. So I think they are going and trying to check all these boxes and doing the right things in terms of getting those approvals that are really key in this area. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, when you, it reminds me a little bit of Chalice. You have this, you know, enormous, well, potentially enormous, um, I'm speculating here. You have what seems to be a pretty substantial discovery and, the, you know, the market seems to think so by the fact that it's valuing it at one point six odd billion Canadian um, and, and and Chalice is not dissimilar because it's a you know, massive, massive, massive discovery and they're both seemingly in beautiful areas, both in mining jurisdictions, don't get me wrong, but but the, the actual pathway to turning this from a discovery into a mine is, is going to be long and complicated marred by the fact that there's this environmental overlay that that's exacerbated um, because it's 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 beautiful and it's ecological and, and there's a whole bunch of bio, you know biodiversity going on there. Oh, even though Quebec, if this is a category three in Quebec, own it and don't need authorization, there's there. I would assume there's still a risk that there would be a lobbyist of some sort that will come and put their two bob in and and get in the right. I, I just I'll be interested to see if it is as seamless and easy as as it appears. Yeah, I think it's a. A prime example of what the sort of NIMBY type people will be debating over the, the coming years and what we'll be debating over the coming decades with society's sort of need for all these critical minerals and not wanting to develop the assets. So it's it's the trade-off as society we've just got to speak about. They're definitely pro 
development of these with the, the Canada's view on the critical mineral strategy and everything. Um, yeah, I think Canada is an interesting one. It can be really state by state and province by province. But I think um, even county by county, like within the province, like depending on the county within yeah. the province, I know, especially in uh, that's in USA as well, really dependent on the yeah. very, very small areas. And Australia is not too dissimilar. We've got, you know, states such as Victoria where it's a lot harder to develop an asset in comparison to parts of WA. Well, you look at and look at the scale of this deposit. So we're getting hits of 131 metres at 1.96%. They've released like these high-grade uh, portions of it, so 25 metres at 5% lithium. Yep. So, and considering spodumene can uh, – sorry, pegmatites can only be – or sorry, spodumene can only be 8%. That is as high as the lithium content goes. So 5% you're heading towards pretty much pure spodumene. In all then, fairness, do we know if that's true width? I mean, we haven't seen cross-sections. Exactly, exactly. And this is what where I was leading to. So we look at – they could have just drilled that right through the strike of the ore body for all we know. But there's, there's bugger all cross-sections being given out on the announcements uh, and – Everyone's probably the the scale of how big this is and the grade is probably getting lost. So, look, Canaccord they've put out a their estimate for the resource estimate, the back of the envelope. By uh, conceptually was one hundred and forty eight million ton at one point one four percent. Macquarie put out one hundred and thirty six million ton at one point one three percent. So, considering Line Town is one hundred and forty million ton at one point four percent. So the grade of the, they're estimating the grade to be considerably low, which is probably not what the retail investors are actually thinking this stock's going to come out with. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think it's super interesting how that ties into what sort of processing facilities are needed going forward. We've seen the company flag that these high grades lead to higher recoveries, lead to having a DMS circuit that perhaps doesn't require flotation and can potentially be lower cost. We've seen the company in their latest announcement highlight the words low capex, low opex potential project. So does that does that seem like a like a fair representation based on your 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 read, JD? I mean just looking into the numbers that various analysts have sort of thrown around, uh touching on like you'd said, Maddie before Macquarie, they're throwing around a number of eight hundred million dollars of upfront capex I don't know about you guys. That's not super low cost in my eyes. That's what but, Line um, Town are doing. That's what Line Town's CapEx is. That's bloody high. Yeah, and that one's had four increases since since they came <laughs> out with that in 2021. So it'll be super interesting. This is, of course, a asset that's not even in, in resource yet. They haven't had the PFS come out. So any potential capital expenditure would still be years away. And there was there was another statement that, Blairway, the CEO, said that stood out to me just reading this the other day. To put it into perspective, if I said we have identified 10 million ounces and the grade is about two or three ounces per tonne, you'd say, shit, that's pretty significant. So, <laughs> That's come from the, C- the CEO of this company on, an, on a, a project that doesn't even have a resource? Yeah, it's it's still very I'm early sure stage. I'm sure you're not allowed to do that. As like, maybe well, Canada's yeah. a bit different to Australia, yeah, right? Well, because you're... Yeah, yeah inferring uh, potential resource estimates without having a resource estimate. Yeah, and in previous shows, you've highlighted, Maddie, how difficult it can be to compare gold to lithium well, assets. Well, I, I tried and it, uh, I yeah. tried to do pure grade 
conversion and cost conversion, but it wasn't uh, received too well because because the payabilities are so different and the contracts are so different. The only way you can appear to do it is just purely based on revenue. Yeah, so, and I think why why he's made this statement is coming back to an issue we touched on earlier, the significant proportion of shareholders that sit in Australia, he has sort of identified the North American market as a market that's familiar with gold and a market that's not so familiar with lithium. And I think he's really tried to put it in in perspective for those investors over there to sort of get investor and shareholder buy-in. But yeah, it's obviously not not apples for apples comparing the two. Is that, that when he said shit, when you said shit in that quote, was that not, did he not say... It was a bit more colourful, but I thought I'd tone it down a little bit. <laughs> so the other word was there. Right, that's interesting. I, I just can't, where they're talking about the high grade, uh, how the processing would be different because it's high grade, it won't need as much processing, but then you've got Macquarie and Canaccord predicting a 1.1 to 1.2% grade, so that yeah, isn't th- high grade. I think with two of the three of us here coming from a sort of banking background it is, as well, I think we should flag it's always important to take equity research reports with a – the pinch of salt and do your own research as well and sort of put it in perspective and obviously assess any conflicts of interest out there. But yeah, they're obviously estimates for something that hasn't even come out yet. So we'll sort of see how that that plays out on the on the resource front. I, I can add a little bit of commentary there. I mean, by all accounts, this is a substantial discovery. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't get, you know, even if that's not true, it's still pretty amazing results, right? Um, so by all accounts, it's a substantial discovery. But I think what the three of us collectively take issue with here is is what appears to be very pumpamental marketing coming from the company. And that's you know, take example that quote from the CEO: the fact that we don't get cross sections, and 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 thirdly, the fact that we get plenty of photos of drill core in every announcement instead. So that that sort of market behaviour. Um, is is not indicative of a company with a market cap of one point six billion dollars, and 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 AFR's rumoured that there's been several global mining majors that have taken an interest in in this asset. Rightfully so, these these hits are great, right? Let me tell you, like w- whenever the BD teams of those companies take a look at this sort of market behaviour, that is a massive red flag to them. And didn't you say, Trav, you can actually download the drill data in a file and create a they, extrapolate that into a cross-section yourself. They do, they do have a, yeah, a zip download on, on their website if you want to do the work and, and bring up everything and leapfrog yourself. It's a fair bit of work. It's not that hard to just put some cross-sections in your ASX announcements. Yeah, and I just see this as a – look, it's a, it's a it's definitely a risk to flag for this mineral resource estimate based on the fact that no cross-sections have been provided. This mineral resource estimate just might not come back as good as everyone thinks. Um, who, who knows? But that's it's definitely a, definitely a risk. So it'll be definitely one to watch when this re- first initial resource estimate comes out. Hundred so. percent. We're going to keep covering this. I think it's a, a super interesting project. Well, this is as you said. We haven't uh, done ourselves any favors. We're sort of committed to doing this every day, <laughs> and we, we haven't scheduled many days off. So uh, we haven't even done a five day week yet because we had public holidays. So Just don't say that. Next week's going to be a bloody. <laughs> Ripper. So, oh, good stuff, lads. Good recap. I think that's enough on uh, Patriot. Perfect. Should we get into a recap of all the other news overnight? There's been there's been a bit uh, there's been a bit going on. Ninety eight percent of Oz Mineral shareholders voted in favour of the BHP takeover this morning. So, and Oz have declared a fully frank dividend of dollar seventy five bucks a share. 
So I'm keen to see when that uh, fully goes through. Nothing happens quickly with BHP, no mind. So great boulder resources, GBR. They had high-grade results from their Mulga Bill asset out near, which is a stone's throw from uh, West Gold's Mill out near Mika Thera. Hey, if you had, didn't hear it yesterday, head back and listen to our chat with uh, West Gold MD Wayne Bramwell. Uh, very insightful chat. We're probably going to have one person on a day at this, right? We're getting pretty popular. Now, back, Great Boulder, their entitlement offer is closing tomorrow, Friday. And as their MD, Andrew Paddo Patterson, uh, put a little announcement out on LinkedIn, said it's been available for three weeks, so don't hit him up on Monday when it's closed. So just a, just a note there. Caravel Copper, uh, they released a PFS processing update. Uh, Genesis and St. Barb's, they've extended their suspension until Monday, 17th of April. That is going to be a very interesting one to see if what is recut in that merger deal based on the debt and performance triggers uh, that St. Barb have hit. Uh, we've also got Resources Minister Madeline King making comments. JD, uh, you've uh, flagged this one from your financial media reading addiction what's happening here yeah i think that one's really interesting to sort of see the de-globalization sort of playing um playing out we'll sort of see how it looks going forward but countries obviously wanting to be closely aligned where they source their materials from had huge news on the on the macro front with the ira legislation coming out of america so i think it's just one to really watch seeing as a huge amount of uh, processing in all all commodities is done in China. It's definitely one to keep an eye on. Yeah, a lot of stock has been changing hands at Javois as well. Uh, their Idaho cobalt operation, that was put on hold. So a lot of uh, 40% of shares on issue have been changing hands. Who's, uh, yeah, I think, got the, I think got that's the one, take on that. That's one we'd sort of picked up. Um, we'd been discussing about two weeks ago they – came out with the announcement to put their their operation there on sort of hold as it was sort of nearing the end of construction. And, yeah, the share price I think was off 93% over the past year or so. So there's a bit of movement on the register. We'll be interested to see who's uh, who's been collecting and who's been selling. Then you've got Galena going into suspension. So they've got the lead project, uh, the Abra lead project. Uh, they've went, they went into a trading halt pending an operation update. For Abra on Friday, so yeah, I think that speaks to what Trav highlighted in that excellent episode a couple of days ago. Which you should go and give a listen regarding the sort of Lasson curve. This is a company right at the tail end of that coming out. They're ramping up production. They've just constructed the the processing plant and getting into mining. They'd uh, shipped their first ore a couple of weeks back. So interested to see what the announcement is when that when that comes out over the next few days. It's generally not a good sign. Now, when you go on suspension on ramp up. Yeah. Now, Hot Copper, uh, we only received positive comments yesterday, which is uh, oh, not not good for content. So, really? Yeah. So we can't do a comment of people ragging on us because there hasn't been any yet. So either we're right. improving or we're not getting the reach. So look, haters, can you please get back involved? So we've got some hilarious things to share on the episodes. So... <laughs> Too easy. Cheers, Good guys. Up. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Hey, we've got a pub lunch at three, so we've got to get this out and get into it, eh? <laughs> BD work. That's the way. Right, righto. Cheers, Money Miners. Have a good one. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. 
Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.